This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. When our kids were small, it felt like we lived at the pool during those hot Texas summer months. I remember how much they loved to be thrown through the air to make the biggest splashes they could, and how they loved to swim underwater like sea otters. One of the things I loved to do was to baptize them. So I would, I would gather them up in my arms and suspend them over the water and say, I baptize you, my brother, if I was holding the boys, or my sister, if I was holding the girls, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and buried with Christ in his death, here's where we would both plunge under the water, and then shoot back up, as I announced, raised to walk in newness of life. Some people like to play Marco Polo in the pool. I like to baptize. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you would consider that a real baptism? Okay, good. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. That was not a baptism, just so we're clear. That was a dad wanting to have a great time with his kids. But let me ask you this question. What was it that kept it from being a real baptism? Last week, we explored the practice of the Lord's Supper as we sought to have a biblical understanding in our practice, the practice that we love so much, sharing in the bread and the cup. Today, we turn our attention to the ordinance of baptism. At the heart of our mission as a church is the great commission that Jesus gave to every church recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Let me read this familiar to many of us passage. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a mission that Christ has given to his church. Big enough for us to live inside of. And what a comfort that Christ has given to us, that Jesus is with us every step of the way. So today, we have gathered to celebrate. We are celebrating the baptism of 18 people. And since we planted the Trails Church, yeah, I think this is right. Since we planted just three years ago, after this morning, we will have baptized 85 people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He has done all of the work. There are few things that nourish our faith, like seeing a person baptized. And this is why this ordinance was given to us by Jesus. Yet for us to understand it and to gather as much life and joy and faith-sustaining nourishment as we're meant to, we must not look to any man-made tradition, but to the Bible alone as the source 
and authority to shape what we believe about baptism and even how we practice it. Now, that opens up many questions that we won't have time to go into today, but I do hope we, we continue to cover in, in the years to come. But I, I do want to speak briefly, before we hear from these 18 people, their testimony of Jesus' saving faith, on the practice of baptism, so that as we see it unfold, that our hearts would be stirred with greater love for Christ. And so let me just address those of you who have come to be baptized today, to let you know what an encouragement it is to all of us to celebrate with you on this day. And to all friends and family who have traveled near and far to stand with and uh, be present here to witness the baptism of a person that you know and love, thank you. What a great gift that is to, uh, to them and to our church family on this memorable day. So in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Paul gives us a very brief but chock-full statement that helps us understand what is happening when someone is baptized. He does it in the middle of a much larger argument, but we're just going to hyper-focus in on what he tells us that baptism is. And In short, baptism is a retelling of the story of the gospel. We looked at it last week as a silent sermon, a wordless witness, where someone stands in front of a gathered church to proclaim the completed work of Jesus. And as we gather, that's exactly what we're doing, proclaiming Christ and his great salvation. So I want to organize our thoughts around three headings. That's no surprise to you. First, the ordinance of baptism. I want to spend a few moments just looking at what the ordinance of baptism is and then focus in on two phrases that we will hear repeated multiple times today. Buried with Christ in death and raised to walk in newness of life. You look so comfortable, but you know this is coming. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word? Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. This is God's holy and inerrant word. These words are different than all the other words that we'll hear today. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Would you be seated? First, let us think together for a moment about the ordinance of baptism. You'll notice in verse 3, Paul writes, All of us who have been baptized. He's writing, to Christians, speaking to Christians here, and he assumes if you're a Christian, then you would have been baptized. Throughout the New Testament, the witness of Scripture is that when someone believes in Jesus as their Savior, afterward they follow the command of Christ to be baptized. Last week, I referenced very briefly Acts chapter 2, where Peter's sermon is delivered, the gospel is proclaimed, and thousands of people are cut to the heart. And they say, what do we do now? 
What do we do with our sin? And what do we do with Jesus who we have crucified? And Peter says in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, then verse 41 says, The Lord added to their number that day about 3,000 souls. Okay, now as we interpret that passage, this is a descriptive passage, not a prescriptive passage. It is telling us the history of what happened on the streets of Jerusalem that day. But I want us to see there is an order presented here. So first, the people heard the good news of the gospel proclaimed. Second, they believed it. And third, they are baptized as a sign of what they believe. And then don't miss this part. Then they are counted with and as a part of the people of God, the church. Do you see that order? Gospels proclaim, the people believe, they repent of sin, they're baptized and then counted with the church. And then they go on, verses 42 to 47, to share in communion. We talked about that last week. So like the Lord's Supper, baptism is the other ordinance that Jesus himself instituted and gave to the church. So we must realize that baptism is no divine suggestion. It is a divine command from Christ to be obeyed. We heard this commandment a moment ago in the giving of the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's what Christ has called us to do. And then the first little imperative he gives is baptizing them. So let's be clear, just for a little, take a little aside. There's a lot of confusion on this in our culture. Baptism does not save us. Jesus saves us. No good work that we could do could save us. Only the work of Jesus saves us. And so then baptism is an outward sign of what Christ has done in our hearts. And like all the commands given by God, it wasn't given to be a burden to us, but a means of grace, a symbol of joy, an act of worship. I appreciate how this pastor named Bobby Jameson has defined baptism. He said, Baptism is a church's act of affirming and portraying a believer's union with Christ by immersing him or her in water. And it's a believer's act of publicly committing him or herself to Christ and his people, thereby uniting a believer to the church and marking off him or her from the world. As we are a holy people set apart from the world. That's what God has done for us in the gospel. In the act of baptism, there's a lot going on. It's not just the person baptized that is speaking, but there are multiple voices. Uh, for one, in baptism, the church speaks. Baptism is uniquely one of the acts given to the church. Now, there are many wonderful parachurch ministries, ministries that come alongside the church, like uh, Young Life, or even historically the YMCA. But those, things don't, those, those ministries don't baptize because that was an office, an ordinance given to the church to do. When we gather to witness someone baptized, we are fellow witnesses that are committing also to walk alongside that person for years to come and to help them grow in Christ. We're pledging to uh, live our lives together 
in the sake, for the sake of their great commission and to continue what the great commission called us to, to teach them to obey all that Christ had commanded. And so to the members of the Trails Church and to Christian friends and family members, you are not just spectators of baptism today. You are participants in it witnesses of the grace of God in the life of each person. So the church speaks, affirming this person has made a credible profession of faith in Christ. But also, the person being baptized is speaking. This is where we tend to send our attention first and foremost. And this is their profession of faith. Jesus hasn't left us to wonder, how is it that we, just, we proclaim to the world what he's done in our hearts? He's told us exactly what we do. We're baptized as a as a profession of faith, and then we share in the Lord's table as, as often as we gather to continue to proclaim what Jesus has done in us. So the person being baptized speaks. Now, there are many ways that we affirm and share how Jesus has changed our lives in the way that we live in this world, in the way we love, in our participation in the church. Yet this act of baptism is uniquely given by Jesus to be the very act of our profession of faith. So what is it they're saying? A person being baptized is saying that Jesus Christ has saved me from my sins, and I believe in him as my Savior, and I want to identify with Christ and the people he died to save. We like to include just a brief uh, testimony of God's grace in the life of, of that person, which you will hear. We will all have the privilege of hearing but the person is speaking even while they're not speaking in the silent sermon, the wordless witness of baptism. And then finally, in baptism, God speaks. God has given this ordinance to the church to be a symbol, a sign, a seal of faith in which he speaks to all of us. So can I just take a moment and just address all of our friends who are here today, but you've not yet trusted in Christ. Perhaps God will speak to you this morning. Through the act of baptism, you might come to see that you are a sinner and to believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is the first thing. Baptism is an ordinance and it is a command to be obeyed. So now let's focus in on these truths that Paul outlines. First, he, he, he shows baptism as a symbol that we have been buried with Christ in death. When we baptize someone, those are the very words we say as a person is buried under the water. But that's not just some empty ritual. Uh, that is a declaration of what Christ has done for them spiritually. Words that come right here from the Apostle Paul. To be more precise, the phrase, the phrase, uh, the phrase that Paul uses is that we were buried with Christ in his death. That's a very important pronoun. He's not highlighting first and foremost that baptism is the, what we have done for Christ, but what he has done for us through his death on the cross. Uh, one of the doctrines in view here that Paul wants us to get into our souls is that of union with Christ. The way the New Testament speaks of the Christian life is that we have been united with Christ, or Paul's favorite way to say it is that we together are in Christ. I love how Martin Lloyd-Jones explains this. He says, so what Paul's saying here is that as the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died, died to the realm and the reign and the sphere of sin once and forever, we also have done the same. 
we have been joined unto him. Therefore, we've been joined with him in his death. Well, what does that, what does that mean for us? What does that mean? It means his death means the end of the relationship to our realm and reign of sin. Therefore, we have died to the realm and relationship and reign of sin in our lives. This is true for everyone who has believed in Jesus. We have been buried with Christ in his death. Our being baptized into Christ's death is not something that's going to happen to us in the future or something that ought to happen to us. If you're in Jesus, that's already happened to you. This is where we get our doctrine of justification. We have been justified. That word is wonderful. What that means is that when God sees those who have been united with Christ, God looks at you just as if you had never sinned and just as if you had always obeyed. Every command that you have broken, none of it counted against us. Our sins have been paid for once and for all with royal blood. This proclamation has been made over our lives, a divine pardon. When Jesus died, his death meant the death of sin. And when Jesus died, it meant the death of shame. When Jesus died, it meant the death even of death for us. So Christian, you're about to see a host of people be baptized, and every one of them is a reminder to you of what Christ has already done. You have been united with Christ. You have died to your sin when Jesus took it to the grave. And the final truth Paul outlines is how baptism is the sign that we have been raised to walk in newness of life. Now, for each of us who have been justified by Jesus, we've not only died with him in his death, we didn't stay there. We've also been raised by his life by his resurrection. Jesus did not stay held in death, but he was raised to glorious life again. Spurgeon said, the life of a Christian is an entirely different thing from the life of other men. Entirely different from his own life before his conversion. He is making all things new, and in Christ, you have been made totally new. So since you've been united with him, died with him, raised to life with him. That, that's the language Jesus is getting it in John chapter 3 when he uses this phrase, we've been born again to this everlasting hope. Paul makes this connection in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 when he wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So baptism is not an announcement of what we have done, but what Christ has done for us through his birth, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Yet for the person being baptized, it is also them saying they are committing themselves to walk in a way that is worthy of the gospel. 
to walk in this new way of life, being continually sanctified, being made holy as we live and follow Jesus. Those of us who are in Christ, we know that's not an instantaneous thing that happens. But God is at work in us, making us more and more like Jesus. If I can just speak to all of you who have, um, first, those of you being baptized. Those of you being baptized, can you just raise your hand real quick? Where are you? Hold on. Actually, just stand up real quick. We're all scattered. Let me, let me just see where you're at. Yeah. Just stay, stay standing for just a minute, because I, I want to lock eyes with each of you and talk to you. Your, your obedience to Christ here today, to follow him in being baptized, is, first of all, this massive magnifying glass on the glory of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what you've come to do. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing this experience with us so we, your church family, can gather around you and celebrate the goodness of the gospel. And now, as people that are professing believers in Christ, we, as your church family, want to walk alongside with you as you continue to grow. So we're going to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus, and he has gifted you so supernaturally you're going to help us grow as followers of Jesus. That's what's going to happen in, this, in these next, I don't know, 50 years together. That's how long I'm sticking around. How about you, Cain? Yeah. Okay, you can be seated. And let me just address all of you who I, I just very briefly earlier, if you're here and you've not yet trusted in Jesus, I pray that through uh, the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, through the word of God that's been read today, through the testimony of the saints that you're about to hear, these people whose lives have been turned upside down by the gospel of Christ, that today would be the day you might have come here with no hope of your salvation, but you can leave here today made right with God through nothing that you've done, but through believing in Christ who has done it all. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the gift of your church. Thank you for the gift that it is to be numbered with the people of God and to celebrate today your grace that is at work among us. Thank you for the life you've given us in Jesus, this newness of this death that we deserve you have lived in our place. This life that we did not deserve you have won in our place. Let us live in the good of all of that means. And I pray that today would be the day of salvation for someone here. I ask all of this in the unsurpassed, saving, miraculous, powerful, glorified name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.